This letter was written to the people who lived in a town called Corinth. Um, and Corinth was about 100 years old. It was a fairly new town, kind of like this area. The Romans had actually rebuilt it. Well, I will show you where Corinth is. Okay, so here's a map. So this is kind of the old ancient ruins of Corinth on the right, but then there's the map on the left. So um, Corinth was fairly new. It was a place where there were a lot of merchants and had a lot of commerce. It was a place that had a lot of immigrants and travelers that would come through it. And so it was a, a place that had um, a lot of money, but it also had a lot of vice. So Corinthians had a reputation for wealth and sensuality, which sounds like America, doesn't it? I was going to say, <laughs> I know, it really. We will identify in some ways with these people. Okay, if anyone read 1 Corinthians during the gap time between last our class ended and this one started, what did you learn about this church community? Did you learn anything? Did anyone read 1 Corinthians? Or if you know about 1 Corinthians, what do you know about these people? <laughs> Dreadfully sinful. <laughs> yes. Remember, they were coming out of a pagan background. They were trying they were to figure it out. Right? Some were Romans, some, some were Romans, yes. Easily swayed, yes, yes. There were factions. They were just ordinary people coming out of a pagan background, trying to figure out how to live godly lives and easily swayed by people that came through their town. Remember, it was a place that had a lot of immigrants and travelers coming in, bringing their ideas. Um, so putting together the relationship of Paul with this church over about five years, I'm going to bring it up to our modern times. So we're going to start in 2013. And since we have a Corinth right up the road, we're going to use that as our Corinth. Okay, so in 2013, Paul went up to Corinth to start a church. He stayed there about a year and a half. So at the end of the summer of 2014, he left there and he went to Disney World. Okay, he went to Orlando. That is about the same distance traveling by land from Corinth to Ephesus, 16 hours. Has anybody driven to Disney World here? Yes, okay. That's how long it took to go by land. So he went over there to Orlando and he stayed there for three years. In the summer of 2016, he heard some disturbing news about the immorality in um, Corinth. So he writes a letter to them. We don't have this letter. We did, it wasn't preserved for us. And then he hears that there's some divisions within this church. And he gets a letter from them, from the Corinthians, asking him a bunch of questions. So in early 2017, two years ago, he wrote 1 Corinthians, the one we have in our Bible. And he answers some of those questions. But during this time, this whole three-year time period, there were teachers that were coming into Corinth, these travelers, and they'd come in. And they were opposing Paul. Now, if you think about it, if you want to get a group of people to stop listening to their favorite teacher, what do you usually do? Trash the teacher. That's exactly what they did. That's exactly what they did. They trashed Paul. And we will see evidence of this in 2 Corinthians. And you know how much that hurts, right? 
it's painful. So um, in the summer of 2017, Paul made a quick visit to Corinth. I hope he went by sea, because <laughs> he would have been a lot faster. But he made a quick visit to Corinth, and he calls this a painful visit. He writes about it in our letter. It was a painful visit. It was probably painful, the words that he had to say to them, maybe things he heard back from them. It was painful. And then he went back to Orlando, and in the fall of 2017, he wrote them a severe letter. He calls it a severe letter. We don't have that one. And so he sent that severe letter by way of Titus up here to Corinth. And so he stayed in Orlando for a little while longer, but then he, was, he really wanted to hear back from Titus, and it was taking a while. So he moved to Mobile, Alabama, and he preached there for a while. Titus didn't come yet, so he left Mobile and he went to New Orleans. Because, see, it's on the way. It's on the highway to Disney World. And there Titus joined him. He'd come down from Corinth, and he joined them in New Orleans, and he gave him a good report that the people had accepted his letter. They had done some things to correct the situation in their church, but there were still some problems with these bad teachers. So Paul is, in response to this news, in the fall, I mean, in December of 2018, just last month, he wrote 2 Corinthians. So if you put it in that perspective of over just the last five years, that's how it kind of happened in those situations. Um, and I hope that kind of helped to put that together. Someone said putting together Paul's interaction with the Corinthians is like put, trying to put together a picture puzzle without the picture, if you've ever tried that. And it is, it's kind of like that. On the bottom of page 12, you'll see a possible timeline the best guess of when these things happened, actually. Um, but hopefully, you, as we read these things, you'll be able to picture how it happened. So let's move over to page 13, and we'll talk about our theme of dependent living. Now, if you Google dependent living, you'll have a bunch of uh, search results about senior housing. <laughs> Just want you to know I'm all for senior housing. But that's not what our study is about, okay? <laughs> this letter, 2 Corinthians, was one of the, it's, it was the hardest study that I've ever written. And I had a hard time finding anybody else's study to use. It's considered one of Paul's most personal letters. There's a lot of feeling in it, personal stuff. It's not a sermon like Romans or Ephesians. You can't outline it easily. It's a messy letter. Um, just like most personal letters, it's full of personal feelings interspersed with some great teaching. And most of us probably know the great teaching, but we aren't familiar with all the personal stuff that actually is behind <coughs> the teaching. It's like life. It's messy because people are messy. Relationships are messy. Circumstances are messy. And the community within a church is messy. You will see where he starts one subject and he goes to another one. He comes back to the first one, he goes to a different one. He comes back to another one, he goes to a different one. He's spider webs. So it's like our conversation sometimes around the dinner table. He does that. But God wants to know, us to know that in the midst of our messy lives, 
He wants us to learn to rely on him more than on ourselves. Now, if you've been reared in the Western culture, which most of you have, not all of you, but most of you have, this is contrary to what you've been taught since you were a little girl. To compensate for poor teaching in the past that said women were second-class citizens, you couldn't do you know, everything, you, know, you needed lots of help and all that stuff. We've been taught from girlhood to stand on your own two feet. You don't need anyone to be successful. But that sets you up for failure because things happen that are out of your control and then you feel like, I'm a failure because I do need help in that. Now, as a wise sage <laughs> once said, all right, this is what he said. You must Did you get that? <laughs> you must unlearn what you have learned. <laughs> okay. Um, I heard that over the Christmas holidays. I said, we've got to use that one. <laughs> because it's true. It's true. We have to unlearn what we have learned, that we have to stand our own two feet, that we can't ask for help, that only if we are weak do we need help, right? So what does this dependent living, this relying on God, look like? Does it mean that we as Christians are supposed to stay like babies, not doing anything for ourselves? Does it mean that we're supposed to let just lie back and let other things happen to us? Does it mean we aren't supposed to use our skills and talents and advantages and opportunities to be the best that we can be? No, that's not what it means. We are supposed to grow and mature in our thinking and in our behavior. And God wants us to give to him all our skills and talents and advantages and opportunities and let him use those for his purposes. He wants us to learn those things, but it means submitting our strengths as well as our weaknesses to him for his purposes in our lives. And here's the key to this. And this hit me 10 years ago like a brick hitting my head. Our kids were all outside the home. They were now paying for their own insurance, their own housing, their own food, their own cars, everything. You know, so they were independent from us. And I thought about this. Human parents raise their children to be less dependent on them and more independent, right? Not God. God raises his children to be less independent of him and more dependent on him. And whatever he brings into our lives that makes us rely on him more is good for us. And we're going to learn why. As we st we're going to talk about this a lot during this lesson. Why does he want us to be dependent on him? Why is it good for us when he brings these things into our lives? I need this study. As I was going through this, it's like, I need this because I struggle with self-sufficiency. My parents did a good job of raising me to be independent thinking, to be able to stand on my own two feet, to be self-sufficient. They did a good job of that, too good of a job, because I struggle with being dependent on others or not feeling like I'm self-sufficient on my own. 
and God knows that, and he keeps bringing things into my life to remind me I'm not self-sufficient. I need him as well as others. So we will see that dependent living is not weakness. When you Google things about relying on God, you'll see all these things about don't rely on God because that's weakness. That, really, that means that you're just weak. You don't need him for that. Um, it's not weakness. It's being stronger and having more influence, success, and satisfaction than you could ever have through your own efforts, as brilliant and self-sufficient as you might be or think you are, or as weak and messed up as you think you are. It doesn't matter. All of us need to learn dependent living. It's for all of us, for our strengths and our weaknesses and everywhere in between. It's for all of us. So through this 11-week study of 2 Corinthians, we will learn how to make plans for our lives and rely on God on how to proceed, you know, with open fingers kind of. We will learn how to educate our minds and then rely on God to see how to use that knowledge to glorify him. We will learn how to make money, work hard, make money, and rely on God to learn how to use it wisely. And we will learn how to do this as we act in obedience to God's word and we depend on Jesus Christ for the power to do it and trust him with the results. And this dependent living will make us stronger and more effective in life than we could ever be on our own. So as a reminder, bottom of page 13, you will see this at the end of every lesson. As his child, God transforms your life by teaching you to live dependently on him in weakness and in strength. Now to help you and me, we've provided memory verse cards for you. That's what's wrapped up in the, the ribbon on your table. Take these home. Uh, Cindy Adams made them pretty for us. Put them wherever you want to put them to learn over this semester. So we're going to work on them in class. We want you to work on them at home. Take a picture of them. Keep them on your phone. So if you're standing and waiting in line, maybe for carpool or whatever, you can work on them. You could record your voice, reading them to yourself and listening to them. I thought about doing that for you, and I thought, nah, you don't want to listen to me. Listen to yourself. Or you can go find Marcus uh, Laughlin, the one we had oh, a few weeks ago. Yeah, he does it on Bible Gateway. He does the NIV. You can go listen to his voice. Yeah, and listen to him for those verses. Um, anyway, and I'm sure you have lots of questions about what dependent living is. I do too. We're going to learn together. We're going to explore what does it mean to do this daily. And we'll talk a lot about it with our tables each week.